0: Oh, man. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. All right. So, y'all, it's great to be with you guys today. If you don't know me, Pastor Jason, I'm the discipleship pastor at the Tabernacle. And what I love to do is help people reach their full potential in Jesus. That's what we love to do. This is my beautiful wife, Pastor Melanie. She helps serve in that area as well. And um, so I'm just excited to get to speak with you guys today. I always love coming over here to Metairie because I don't know. I feel like all of you guys are so hungry. Like every time I come over here, you know I won't. You know I hope nobody from Met watches the stream. But let me just say this. You know we do we do the leadership classes and stuff and we'll, we'll go to showman and we'll come over here and teach it and in show you know they make some you know we're we'd having small discussion and they're they're adding comments but here people ask questions because they want to learn they're hungry to, to learn and to grow and so it's always just fun to come over here and like it just feels like a like a pep rally like no matter where my energy level is when i come over here and i see everybody at the door and all that like i'm just getting excited and hyped up so it's great to, It's great to be here. Um, but I wanted to talk to you guys today about something that's, that's very dear to my heart. And because, you know, I, I don't know if y'all remember when you got saved, but I very much remember <laughs> when I got saved. I know some people are like, it happened when I was a kid. I remember when I got saved. I was 15 years old, and I had been going to church with my mom, and I had been spending about a month trying to figure out if this was real or not. And I remember I was in a Sunday service Pastor Derek from Chumet was preaching and I had my my hands on the back of a chair just gripping it as he made an altar call And he literally looked at me in the back row and was like You might be in here today And you just got a gorilla grip on the back of the chair in front of you It's trying to figure out if you're gonna make a decision today, and i and I let go of the chair But I was too afraid to even go up to the front to get saved But one night I was laying in my bed by myself And I realized that I wanted to give my life to Jesus So by myself in my bed I went and I just gave my life to the Lord and right there by myself. Nobody prayed with me. I had heard the prayer enough times. I'd been to church enough times. I knew what to do, but I finally was like, God, I'm making this decision. See, I I, I waited and thought about it because I knew this was a big decision. I knew this wasn't just something to take lightly. I knew that my life wasn't going to be the same, that I was going to lose friends, that that some of my family would be mad at me because my family's not saved except for my mama. And so I, I laid in, in that bed and I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember even then when I when I did that, knowing that things had to change, I was under no assumption that I could stay living the way that I was living. And so I remember we, the next day we left for a family vacation and I'm, I'm in my bed, whatever, watching Netflix, watching some show. And this show, I think it's rated like PG-13. It's not like a terrible show, but I remember watching that and they started making some crude jokes. And and then they had some characters that, that, you know, got together outside of marriage and all this. And I remember watching that at 15 years old and thinking, I probably shouldn't watch this anymore. And it was something that, like, it was such a small thing, but it was the Holy Spirit that now had lived on the inside of me that started to convict me of things. See, the amazing thing about the gospel is that it's not just a message. It's not just a testimony. It's not just a story. It's transformative power. It makes, us, it makes us completely new. You know, I used to uh, be really, you know, I still am, but in high school, I was like, I need to get everybody saved. All of my friends, like if they die, they're going to hell. I need to get them saved right now. And I had a lot of non-Christian friends at the time. I mean, I still do, but <laughs> at the time, all of my friends were non-Christians. So I started I, I started to share the gospel as much as possible with people and, and I lost friends and all that. But I remember there was, you know, my goal at the time, I just didn't understand, was like, my goal was just to get them to say the prayer. So I'm like, if they say the sinner's prayer, they're good, and so I would just like do whatever I had to tell them. Like, y'all, serving Jesus is the best decision, which it is, but I was like, it's gonna be easy. Your life's gonna be better. Like, I started telling them all of these things, but I never told them that you had to change. That the whole point of giving our lives to Jesus is so he can change us from the inside out. And so I started getting confused when I would convince somebody to say the prayer and their life still looked the same. What was happening was, I wasn't giving them the full gospel message. I was giving them the benefits without telling, I was t- teaching them to say, you can be alive in Jesus, but I wasn't telling them you had to be dead to your sin. Now, there was another guy, I won't mention his name because some of you in here know him, but he uh, he got saved. He was one of my buddies in high school and he got, it. he started like getting convicted. He started trying to transform his life. And I remember one time we were in class. He's like, dude, I got figure it figured out. I was like, what? He's like, I keep checking out girls. I couldn't stop. But Pastor Chris told me the other day, he said if you catch yourself looking at a girl for more than 2 seconds, to look away. So now what I do is I'll look at her and I'll go one Mississippi, two Mississippi. i look away. Now look back. Two more seconds and I, and he he thought he had cracked the code. But he knew he knew that he couldn't live the same way. He was misinformed on how to live, but he knew something has to be different. I can't keep living the same way. The gospel is something that transforms us from the inside out. It's, it's a message to, to not just become better, to not just become different, but to become new, to change, to, to, to not just become a better person. I think you know there's a lot of people, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of books, read a lot of books and all that, and there's a lot of like self-help stuff out there to say you can get better, you can do all these things. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is becoming a new creation. The gospel is being transformed from one creation to a new creation, to being completely different and set apart. That's what the gospel is. My title, my message today is You Carry a Message. You Carry a Message. And it's not a message just to make people better, it's a message to transform people's lives. So I want to go ahead and read Romans 1 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is power of God for salvation. It is power. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we just get so used to seeing people get saved. We get used to seeing those things. But y'all, salvation is the greatest miracle that we get to play a part in. When you get to see somebody go from dead in sin to alive in Christ— when you get to see somebody go from being a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness, when you see somebody who was going to hell, walking that way and and leaving a wake of destruction (laughs) as they go, you see that person change completely to a new creation in Jesus. There's no miracle like that. So I think there's a story in the Bible that gives such a clear picture of how we ought to share this message with people. So let's go ahead and go to John John 8, i I'm going to read 1 through 11. John 8, 1 through 11. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but y'all know Jesus don't get trapped. So he stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And there's a lot of debate on what was Jesus writing and everybody likes to speculate. Whatever he was writing, he was just ignoring what they were saying, essentially. Like they're coming in here, yelling at and he just gets down and starts drawing in the dirt. They kept demanding an answer. So I, I just imagine Jesus just like, what? All right, here we go. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again, and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I, go and sin no more. That's the message we carry for people. That no matter how long they've been in the dirt, no matter how long they've been in their sin, no matter what mistakes they've made, no matter what sins they've made, we can say, get up, go and sin no more. Now this is a message, of the, I believe it's in the book of John, it says that Jesus came in grace and truth. And a lot of times when we share this message with people, we either lean so far on the grace side or so far to, far on the truth side that we wind up giving them some type of half gospel that's not the fullness of the message. And so there's three different types of messengers that we can be that I'm going to go through today. And I want to tell you, you're not, I don't think anybody's necessarily one of these three only. I think we could be one of these three to different types of people, different people in our lives, all of that. So really check your heart on all of these with the different relationships in your life. The first type of messenger that we see in this, this story are the stone throwers. Let me see my bag here. The stone throwers. Now, y'all, I was walking through this message getting ready, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about this. What if I accidentally, it slips, and it just, like, hits somebody in the face? So front row, like, just be ready, just in case. <laughs> just be ready. But a stone thrower is somebody that's only correcting another to bring shame. That's what the goal is. To say you messed up, you made a mistake, but it isn't truth to get them free, it's just truth to condemn and truth to throw stones at them. You know, in the in the uh in the Bible when they would stone people, I think they were probably a little bigger than this. This is the biggest rock I can find though. But um the person that made the accusation was supposed to be the first one to throw the stone. And so here we have this lady laying in the dirt. They're ready to stone her. But the real thing is they're only doing it to bring shame See, they, they they brought the lady in front of Jesus while he was teaching. It'd be like if while I was preaching right now, one of the ushers heard somebody curse out there, right by the back of the neck and just dragged him right here and was like, what you going to do? That's what that's what basically was that. They, the whole point was just to bring shame to her. That was the whole thing. And that's what stone throwers do is they just want people to feel shame. And a lot of times when we find ourselves in this situation, we try to like logic our way of like, well, no, they just need to know the truth. Like, I'm just standing up for what is right. You can stand up for what is right but not throw stones. And so stone throwers bring shame. The other thing they do is that they they think that some rules apply to some but not to others, especially themselves. So look at this. I, I wanted to look into what was in the law of Moses that, you know, warranted her being stoned. And so it's in Leviticus 20.10. It says, if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. It says both the man and the woman. Y'all, last time I checked, in order to commit adultery, you need at least two people. Yeah, at least two people. And so here's this lady by herself. Where's the man in all of this? I was reading through, you know, some commentaries, and a lot of people think that the man she committed adultery with one of the men that came to accuse her and so what stone throwers do is when we're stone throwing with people is we're making rules apply to other people but not to ourselves a lot of times because we'll judge ourselves based off of like what our intentions are but we judge other people on what their actions are and uh so that's kind of where you find yourself when you're stone throwing and so sometimes you know you you think well i'm not a stone thrower well, how about when we treat people that sin differently than us in a different way, right? Like like when somebody is dealing with homosexuality or when somebody says they want to go by a different type of pronoun or something like that, we get all weird and we're like, I don't know how to handle this. Y'all, the solution is the same. They need the gospel. And so we're, we're, we're looking at this sin when somebody sins differently than us. And because they sin differently than us, we're throwing stones, Because that's way worse than the secret porn addiction you got. Because that's way worse than the gossip you were doing yesterday. Because that's way worse than all these things. And we start elevating and putting human levels on sin because it's easier. Because we judge ourselves on what our intentions are and others on their actions. Jesus is here and he's not, like, y'all, Jesus is blameless. He didn't sin. He's never committed adultery. He's never, like, he did not, uh, he did not commit this sin that this lady did. He could have looked at her and he could, he was innocent. He could have thrown a stone. He was blameless. Even by his own standard right there, he could have threw a stone. But he knew that the message that he was carrying wasn't one to condemn, but to transform. And so he got on her level. Stone throwers will always be looking to hold people to rules, but not themselves. They also look for a reason to confront. They care about winning an argument more than the people themselves. Y'all, I went to Loyola University. That's where I got my degree. I got an English literature degree. If you don't know what that is, basically, you get in a room with about 10 to 15 people, you read novels, and then you debate about what the novels mean. So for four years, that's what I did. I basically learned how to argue. And then in the middle of that, I got married. And let me tell you all, I knew how to argue. I knew how to win an argument. How many men in here know just because I won the argument don't mean I won the argument? And so I would, we would be in the middle of a fight and I'd find myself just enjoying the fact that we were getting in a debate and I was like, oh, I got her. Like I got her right here, I'm about to, yeah. She just used a like a, 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 fa- a logical fallacy like I'm about to destroy her. And I would just be so excited about this. That's what stone throwers do, is that they care more about the argument than they do about the person. See, I had to learn, like I'm sure many men do, is that it's not about winning the argument. It's about laying myself down, maybe not winning the argument for the sake of the relationship. And we got to see people that are in their sin the same way. It's not about winning an argument. It's about transforming their lives. Some of the, mo- the, most, the times when I've most respected other Christians that I know is when I've seen them get in a debate with somebody on Facebook and then message, hey, man, why don't we like move this to a one-on-one conversation? And that's the last message. I have so much respect for that. Because how easy is it when you're on a public forum like that to be like, just I want to win this argument. But when they do that and they move off of it, it shows they're caring about the person. It's not about winning the argument. It's about winning the person. So stone throwers are all about winning the argument. They they bring her in front of Jesus, and they try to trap him because they're like, all right, if he says not to stone her, that goes against the law of Moses. But if he would have stoned her, At the time, the Roman government was in rule, and Jews didn't have authority to execute anybody. So they're like, we got them. All they were worried about was winning that argument. You know, I got to have dinner with Pastor Keith Tusi a few weeks ago. And uh, he was asking me, like, what are you good at? What are you bad at? And I said, um, you know, I'm not really good at confrontation. You know, I don't like it. He said, you know, I'd be really worried if anybody said they were good at confrontation. Like, if anybody said they were just good at it, I'd be pretty worried about it. Like there's some people that that are okay with it more than others, but if you just like it, you're probably just <laughs> being destructive. And so, so that's stone throwers. So we gotta be careful not to throw stones. The second type, get my my prop here, is a pillow fluffer. Hold that for me. Come on, Joni, use your muscles. There you go, bro. All right, let me get my volunteer back there, Mr. Nick Fury. to come on up here. Let's see, where am going to do this? We're going to come right here. Come here, bro. So Nick is an adulterous woman. Come on, Nick. Come lay right there, bro. Yeah, lay down, yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's been dreaming of doing this in church his whole life. But this woman gets thrown at Jesus' feet, and she's in the dirt, and You know, sometimes this is the side I lean more towards is instead of wanting to hurt somebody's feelings or say, hey, bro, you're in the dirt. We go, dude, you know what? God gives his toughest battles to his strongest warriors. And you know what? We fluff that pillow. Come here, baby. Sweet baby angel. You lay right there. And and we start to comfort them where they are in the name of healing them and helping them and loving them. But, y'all, it's not loving to leave him there in the dirt. But I know I fall on this because I don't want to offend anybody, right? I want everybody to feel welcome. But there's a problem. Hey, come help me with this, man. Put that blanket on for me. There's a there's a problem when this is how our our evangelism looks. Here you go, sweet baby Angie. You, you've been through it. You've been through it. You can just stay there for a minute. This is funny. I'm going to leave you there. But pillow fluffers love to please people rather than please God. And so we see people and we're like, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to say that what he did was wrong because you know what? Jesus loves them. Jesus wants them to be healed. Jesus wants them to be changed. So, look, I'm just going to comfort you because I want to make sure you feel welcome. I want to make sure you don't leave. I want to make sure you don't get offended. And so we wind up with people that, have accepted some type of half gospel where they're like, oh, Jesus loves me no matter what, and he does love you. But he loves you too much to keep you where you are. And I think sometimes we make people so comfortable where they are that we never help them transform and get out of it. You know, I heard a a business owner the other day. He said he was training a sales guy. And he had like 10 different people come to him and said, hey, did you know Jimmy stinks? Like, he smells. So he pulled this like 25-year-old dude aside and he was like, Jimmy, do you know you stink? Said no. He's like, "What well, you smell?" And I'm having this conversation with you right now, because I hope no, nobody else ever has to have this conversation with you. And he began to help him. What deodorant do you use? What soap do you use? He had an uncomfortable conversation because he didn't want him to stay in the same spot he was. But as Christians, sometimes we just don't want to have those hard conversations. So we got to do something. So we just start ministering to him. You're going to be healed. You're going to be changed. You're just going through a storm right now. You're going to get through this, but we never call them out of this sin. All right, y'all give it up for Nick Fury. My daughter will be very sad if you keep that unicorn. Now we were leaving this morning. I was packing up the stuffed animals, and Melanie goes, oh, grab the unicorn. That's perfect. <laughs> Pillow fluffers. Pillow fluffers. You know, we had a um, – when we were doing youth ministry – we had a guy come on our encounter. I don't really remember who he was, so if you're watching this, I love you, bro. Hope you're doing better. Uh, but he came on the encounter, and he probably shouldn't have came on the encounter. He he came because his he was 17, and his other his girlfriend, uh, basically made him come on the encounter. So he comes, and on the encounter, we do this thing called deliverance, where you stand with somebody face to face, and you start declaring freedom over certain areas. And so we go, we get to the spirit of sexual morality, and uh, he's looking at me and he saw on the sheet you know that 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 pornography was one of those things and so he starts going after y'all and i tell you this dude he's going he's like i i am free from this you know and he does, he says this statement he goes i don't even know why i want to look at that stuff when i could just get the real thing cuz my girlfriend's in the other room i could just get with her and everything in me just wanted to be like bro keep going you 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 you're killing it right now like you're, i'm so excited but I had, to, I had to, he was so passionate about it. He thought he had to figure it figured out. But I had to stop him and have a difficult conversation. <laughs> Say, buddy, that's not right. I had to give him truth, even when I really didn't want to. Even when I didn't want to break the news to him that this is what truth is, that that's a sinful thing, I had to do that. Because it wasn't about pleasing man, it's about pleasing God. Jesus didn't let this lady just sit in the dirt. He gave her truth and came out. Pastor uh, Joel Stockstill has a book called The Half Gospel. And he says, when you give people this, this good news thing and just like, you can live however you want, you're good, you, you know, you're just going through something right now, you're just struggling, and you just give them all of that, it diminishes the goodness of God. Because it's only when we understand how sinful we are that it's amazing that Jesus would ever save us. And when we begin to fluff somebody's pillow and just leave them there, really what we wind up doing is we start softening the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life. Because when they're laying in the dirt, they start feeling that conviction that I'm not living right. And, I, and I'll say this, with somebody who's an unbeliever versus somebody who's a believer that that is messed up and is struggling, you know, with the believer, you can be a little more truthful. You probably should be. But when you see them there, and and but what happens is we soften the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because as soon as somebody starts to feel a negative emotion, we tell them they're in a storm. We tell them they're just being attacked. When in reality, they're just facing the consequences of their sin. And so what we do is, without knowing it, we start producing this victim mentality in people that, oh, everything that's bad is from the enemy. No, it might just be that you sowed some things in sin, and now you're reaping the consequences of that. This lady right here, she's in the dirt. But, y'all, it says she committed adultery. And I have reason to believe it's true because Jesus told her, go and sin no more. He didn't just say, get up. Y'all, she was guilty. She was wrong. What Jesus didn't do is say, you're just going through it right now. Or this happened because of your childhood. Or, or this happened because of somebody else, because somebody coerced you. People have to take responsibility for their actions. And when they do that, that's when they can really be transformed. You know, they say, I think it's an AA where they say, like, the first step is to solving a problem is admitting you have one. That's so true because people that don't think they need a savior will never go to the savior. They might have them come into their life so they can get some blessing, but they're not going to go to a savior. But the truth is Jesus was brutally murdered for our sin. He took the punishment that we deserve. And so we got to tell them that truth. You know, Jesus, like, he really didn't sugarcoat anything. Like there were times even like with the rich young ruler where he's like, he comes up to Jesus. He's like, hey, I, uh. You know, I've kept all the commandments. What else I got to do? Like, if I was Jesus in that moment, I'd probably be like, dude, all you got to do is say this prayer. You're going to be good. But he said he hit the heart of the issue. He said, I need you to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. He challenged him. He didn't just try to coerce people. He was like, this is what's required. This is what's required and was upfront about it. And I can't tell you how many times in youth ministry I saw young people get saved and give their life to Jesus. And as soon as something difficult happened, they ran because nobody told them it was going to be difficult. Nobody told them they had to change. And so when they were confronted with the Holy Spirit, that was like, I can't leave you the way you are. They thought that was depression or anxiety and ran. You know, I heard Pastor Chris said at a youth camp once, it blew my mind. He was like, he was talking to the uh, the youth and he was like, you know, you're not depressed or anxious. You're just convicted. And you think every negative emotion is just depression or anxiety. But really, you're just convicted. I'd have young people come to me and say, Pastor Jason, I'm just so, I'm so depressed. What'd you do this week? You off of school. What'd you do? Well, I laid in bed and just scrolled TikTok. I was like, you were watching videos you shouldn't have watched on there, right? Yeah. Well, you're not depressed. You're just convicted. And they got confronted with this truth. And the truth is the thing that sets us free. So when we don't give people truth, they just stay on the ground. We make them comfortable. We can't be pillow fluffers. So we got stone throwers, we got pillow fluffers, and then we got gospel messengers, gospel messengers. Gospel messengers bring grace and truth, grace and truth. And as I'm going through this message, right, I'm talking about people that aren't saved and I'm talking about people, how to deal with people that are saved, that are struggling in sin, some type of sin. Because either way we have to carry that message of the gospel. Because the gospel doesn't just save us, it empowers us to live like Jesus along the way. And so when we encounter somebody else that's even a Christian that, that knows the truth, we got to be even harsher sometimes with the truth. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? But Galatians 6, 1 through 5, it says this. It said, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, right, any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load it says you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness so i wanted to look up what the word restore meant and it has a few definitions in the in the greek it means to repair to complete, to equip. And listen to this last one. It's to make one what he ought to be. It's to make one what he ought to be. To help somebody become who they're supposed to be. That's what it is. And who somebody's supposed to be is somebody that's out of the dirt. Somebody that's transformed by the gospel. Somebody that's alive in Christ and making disciples. That's what somebody's supposed to be. And if somebody stays in the dirt, they can't do that. So a gospel messenger comes, and they bring grace, and they bring truth. They they bring grace to provide a way of forgiveness, not condemnation. Jesus gets on their, on her level, and he says, woman, where are your accusers? He said, I don't, they're, you know, they're gone. This is the Pastor Jason translation. They're gone. He said, well, I don't accuse you either. There's this gospel of grace that no matter how bad people mess up, no matter how terrible their sin is that they can be forgiven you know my dad's not saved yet he will be in jesus name but he told me we were fishing one time and so i was like y'all i got him captive for like five hours i'm talking about jesus and so he told me he was like his struggle with jesus is this and i'm like dad i don't get it either but he said uh so i don't understand how somebody who's a good person that doesn't know jesus will go to hell but somebody who's been terrible their whole life can genuinely give their life to Jesus at the end and go to heaven. I said, Dad, it don't make sense to me either. That's the amazing part of the gospel is that no matter what we face, no matter what we've done, no matter what mistakes we've made, that we can have a relationship with him. And there's nobody that's a good person. All of us are guilty. All all of us deserve what was happening to that woman that she was put in the dirt because the wages of sin is death. But our God came down to forgive us and to die the death that we deserve. That's the amazing grace about it. So gospel bringers bring that grace message to bring forgiveness, and they bring truth as well, not to bring accusation, but to bring transformation. That's why we bring truth, to bring transformation. A person can't change unless they know that what they're doing is wrong. They can't change, they have to know. You know, I was 15 by the time I got saved, My whole life, nobody told me I could have a relationship with Jesus. Nobody told me that. I would get my Bible off the shelf that my grandma had given me, and I'm like, all right, I got to get right with God. And I would go. I remember doing this in fifth grade. All right, Genesis 1. And I'd start reading, and I'd get to about middle of Exodus, and I was out. I didn't know what to do anymore. But nobody told me you can have a relationship with Jesus. But finally, one day, I found out you could. And I knew if I did that, my life could never be the same. I think deep down, people don't want to stay the same person. People don't want to stay in their sin, but they got to know the truth in order for it to set them free. Bring truth in a heart of transformation, not accusation. One says you deserve to stay in the dirt. The other says, here's a way out. Jesus says, go. He tells the lady, go and sin no more. That's the next thing he tells her. So he brings grace in saying, I don't accuse you, but he doesn't just leave her there. He says, go and sin no more. What you did was a sin. Go and do it no more. That's how we have to be with people, to be honest with them, to be honest with them. You know, I think even when, uh, like, Jesus really never tried to convince people. Like, I talked about the rich young ruler. But even when, he, like, there was a time when he had all the, the followers there, and he was like, you know, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not going to have a part of the kingdom. It's like, Jesus, that's not good for numbers, dude. You can't be, like, you need to explain it was a, it was a metaphor or something. But he was not never about trying to convince anybody. He was just like, here's the truth, and here's grace. But he was never trying to convince anybody. He just gave them the full gospel, and people have to make that decision. So let me give you some practical things that you can do, some very practical things you can do. If you're like, man, I've been a stone thrower. You might even be thinking about a particular person where you're like, I throw stones at that person. Right, there's that one person that just drives you crazy in your family. That when you get to Thanksgiving, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I got to deal with them." Right, with that person, you might be being a stone thrower. Right, or maybe there's that one you got a godchild that can do no wrong, and so you just fluff that pillow. You just fluff it because they can do no wrong, and so, so here's some practical things if you want to be a true gospel messenger. Is one ask God to give you His heart for people. Before, you know, anytime I do any preaching or anything with ministry or anything like that, I'm like, Lord, give me your heart for this. I want to see people the way that you see them. Because honestly, like if I see somebody in the dirt that has just done something terrible, like this lady just cheated on her husband, that probably made me pretty mad, right? Imagine like if I knew that guy, like it was my friend, I'd be like, I'd be mad about that. I need to have Jesus's heart for people because in myself, I don't think that way. In myself, I don't see people the way that he does. In myself, even, I want to just comfort them where they are. But he loves them too much to keep them there. So ask God to give you a heart for his people. The second thing that you can do is um, study the truth. Study the truth. It's hard to give people truth when you don't know the truth. right? And if you've got to go get a leader or a pastor, every time you want to share the gospel with somebody, you're not equipped. So read your Bible every day get on a reading plan, they got the Bible app, it's free, it's easier than ever to do, just get a plan, do a chapter a day, do a verse a day, do something to get the truth in you. But I encourage you not to just have daily Bible reading, have some time where occasionally you just study a topic out. If there's something that you just don't understand, you're like confused about, you're like, just take some time and say, I'm just gonna study this topic, I'm gonna figure it out, and I'm gonna ask questions when I don't understand. When I was youth pastor, I could really tell the people that had a good devotion life because they were asking me questions. I knew when they were like really going after Jesus because a lot of things with Jesus just don't seem to make sense at first. So you gotta ask questions. That's how I knew. And the third thing is remember that you're a gospel messenger wherever you go, everywhere you go. I pray over my wife every night before we go to sleep. And when she has work the next day, I pray that she would be a light to all of her patients. She's an RN in the ICU. That she'd be a light to all of her patients. Because I know wherever we go, wherever we step, we should be carrying this message of the gospel. We get to carry uh, transformative power with us. You know, y'all, I tried to have a third prop that was going to be those paddles that, like, he shocked somebody with. But apparently they don't make toy versions of that for some reason. So, but we walk with that power in us, and we got to keep that in mind wherever we go. Do you want to come and play real quick? Somebody here, if y'all can hit the lights for me. Nick. What I want to do, you might be here today, and like Pastor Jason, I'm, I feel like that woman that was in the dirt. I've been not right with God. You know, maybe I've, I've given my life to him before, but I, I just keep finding myself back in the dirt. I want to tell you this morning that that, that message I've been preaching about, that it's available to you. It's available for you to tap into. It's available for you to accept. And you know, I was (laughs) I was too afraid to come to the front to get saved back in the day. I was too afraid. And you might be right now. You just nervous, like, oh, I know He's gonna call me to the front. I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's okay. Everybody can bow.